1: Nature knows best to begin with. We are so much more than only our mind, of course. It's really about reconnecting with your total being, with your emotional state, with your energetic space, with with all of this. And that takes a lot of practice because nobody ever taught us this in our current societies. We have forgotten to be humble, that we are part of the greater whole. We are by no means superior to anything.
0: The Field of Change is opened by Dan Gorter. A Dutch rocket scientist, shaman, and entrepreneur, co-founder of Tribepreneurs Mastermind Groups, and initiator of the Awaken and Connect community. He believes that being part of a collective is more important than ever before, and not just a collective. He envisions a global community that lives and thrives on the energy of love, connection, growth, sufficiency, and transparency. Dan set out on a journey connecting changemakers, scientists, pattern breakers, shamans, healers, believers, rebels, and academics. Since 2017, he and his team are gathering data to connect the dots and to learn from similar projects that are also based on a technological, open-source, scalable, automated, nature-friendly, and spiritual setup. The time has now come to take it to the next level and pave the way to manifest the vision, Don brings this together in the vision of the village of the earth. It is his big vocation in this life to manifest this project together with other radical game changers. With a team, he is building a platform to unite the 5D leaders. This platform will allow any purpose-driven individual to access what they want most within one handshake. It's now called World Influence Network, but will likely be rebranded soon. Don's vision with win is to embody the new world becoming the true Garden of Eden, where love is a driving force, all of humanity lives their purpose in perfect harmony with nature and each other, and resources are all shared in abundance for all. Don's mission with Win is to build and nurture a global community where purpose-driven individuals connect to co-create, share, and receive the resources they need for projects that shape a harmonized world for all life on Earth. It was absolutely incredible to meet Don Huerta today. Whew. The experience was very transformative for me. Just kind of getting to see this man who comes from a very relatable background and see kind of what he's working on today, how he's allowing his life to be guided, how he surrenders to a process. It's absolutely beautiful, and it's all such a parallel to the experience I've gone through as a, a blogger and now a podcast host for the last four years in total. I've developed visions that are extremely aligned to Don's visions, and I'm just mesmerized and taken back by the beauty of that. I just found somebody that's leading and facilitating mastermind groups for the biggest changemakers as well as creating the village of the future, this community of purposeful, personal development-driven individuals that want to live an eco-friendly way with the earth and that want to live in abundance, want to create their own system of wealth and currency and redistribution. It's beautiful to see that that's not just something that's some far-off impossibility, but that's actually happening now. And to meet somebody who's working on that at a high level, full-on, fully ingrained in the business of creating this community, absolutely incredible. I have always felt this sense of surety with the podcast that I would be meeting people like like Dan, and I just, I just didn't know when or how it would look, but it's here, and... Don makes it really, really clear throughout the podcast interview that the consciousness, the transformation, the purpose-driven spirit is here. It's alive, it's well, and it's reached a tipping point to where we can actually formulate communities with this. We can rethink the way we educate people. We can live from a different source of consciousness outside of just our mind and our materialism, but from a place that's a deep experience within our body that's connected to our creator that gives back and values the land. It's wonderful. And he's really pieced together all these kind of things that I've been so deeply on a journey towards. Like, you know, initially with like writing and self revelation and Christianity and being able to like recognize my creator and then finding like peace and stillness through meditation and travel experiences with meaningful relationships to now real estate and entrepreneurship and most recently mastermind groups just bringing all that together into one place that's a physically realized community is absolutely incredible i really look forward to your experience listening to this interview with Dan and I'd love to hear from you afterwards about how this transformed you as well. For me, it was a very transformative experience. Thank you so much for tuning in today. And I really hope and I know that you will get a lot out of listening to this wonderful interview today with today's person of purpose, Don Horta. Hello, Dan Gorder. Welcome to the People of Purpose podcast. So wonderful to have you here today, brother.
1: Thank you. Very good to be here.
0: So you're in Holland with your parents during this coronavirus time, and I'm in Kansas with my my family during this time, and we've both been kind of to the far reaches of the world to to search for our purpose and find this greater spirit that we can tap into, and I'm really excited today to go through um, that journey that you've taken that seems so deep and transformative and help guide our listeners into how they can begin or or commit more to that journey and find this wonderful, fulfilling sense of purpose like you and I have seemed to found at least the beginning taste of.
1: (laughs) Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, it's it's maybe not an easy process, but it's so worth it.
0: Mm. Yeah, definitely. I noticed reading your purpose statement that you are really into um, co-creation, tapping into your inner power, um, recognizing that nothing is impossible um and you you want to see a shift in in humanity from um where we are where we have been which is a more of an older egocentric model competitive into this golden age of harmony yeah what is this golden age, age of harmony you speak of and what do you believe is needed for humanity to shift into it
1: this uh, golden age of harmony i believe it's uh, what we read in uh, uh, all of the ancient scriptures And not only the ancient scriptures such as Bible and Vedic stories and and other, um, let's say, religious books, but also what we hear from several indigenous tribes, that they all seem to be talking about this end of times. And it doesn't mean that the world's going to end, but it just means that a certain period is ending. And it revolves around the Maya long-time calendar. That uh, moment was reached in 2012. And it's, yeah, the, the, the end of a certain dark age that we've been in of destruction, of separation, of individualism, of materialism, all that kind of stuff moving towards a completely new frequency of consciousness that is in harmony with the individual, with the groups, with the collective and with humanity at large. And also in harmony with the resonance of the planet and of everything that's alive, the plants, the animals. and So, yeah, you could say, I don't know if people are familiar with Atlantis or Lemuria. Uh, there have been these very high frequency societies on our plan- planet, apparently. They're just myths. But we can read in those stories an, an idea of what a golden age could look like if we are able to make this shift and transition as uh, as humanity.
0: Yeah. What do you think is needed to be able to shift into that? Do we need everyone on board? Do we need just a fraction of society on board and what, what does it take to kind of become a member of a high frequency society?
1: That's a very good question. I don't know if there is an actual answer to that. Um, What I understand so far from my mentor and all the guides and coaching I've had is that not per se the whole planet will become awakened. That not 100% of humanity will reach that state, so to speak. But when you look at, let's say, revolutions of the past or you look at uh, Malcolm Gladwell's book, uh, Tipping Point... You see, you need a certain critical mass of people who are organized around a certain goal, purpose, or, or a new idea before something becomes a revolution. And that's only 3%. So that's very hopeful that we just need a fraction to begin with before it will have a larger ripple effect and it will probably affect all of humanity.
0: Yeah, I love that. You can just break it down into a lot more manageable goal of the 3% there. Yeah. Yeah. So... What have you done to become one of those, those initial members? Like it seems like you're totally on board with this mission. you're surround yourself with mentors and coaches and you're in masterminds. Um, you go into the Amazon, you know what, have you, what, what's, what has it taken for you to shift into this harmony within to be able to guide your life in, towards this greater purpose?
1: Yeah. I think it's like what Morpheus says in "The Matrix," that I've always felt this splinter in my eye. I didn't know exactly what it was, but it still brought me into action to go on a journey of discovery. And yeah, man, the, the start is quite uh, ironic, so it's beautiful, whatever you want to call it. But when I was in my 20s, I felt very insecure towards women, particularly. And there was a big pain for me there that, uh, yes, I had relationships with girls, but I didn't feel that I was so confident to approach women, particularly that I was attracted to. So... I uh, discovered the so-called pickup industry. And it's all about... The, yeah, it's called the seduction community. It's kind of like... Ooh, but <laughs> it, um, uh, it was the first time in my life that I read about people who have completely transformed our lives. Of something they wanted to grow or develop into. And before that, I, I would say I had a bit of a fixed mindset. That I, I always thought if you are not good with women, you will never become good with women. And then yeah, I started to gather people around me who also wanted to do this because none of my friends were really open or interested in this kind of transformation. And pretty soon, within a couple of months, I realized that it was all about, you know, becoming the man that I dreamt of being in the sense of not only confidence, but also finding purpose, finding meaning, uh, contributing, uh, eating healthy, exercising, the whole spectrum really of, I'd say, personal growth and development was introduced to me. And, uh, yeah, I made some small progresses, and that liberated already so much that uh, I was hooked. And since then, I've been on a journey of self transformation.
0: Wow, that's such an interesting like portal into this, and it makes so much sense. You're like, you know, you initially yeah. think you're looking for this 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 thing of a, a woman partner, which is definitely a big deal, but it's much smaller than this bigger picture, which is like, yeah. how do I come into the man I'm destined to be? How do I find my purpose? Yeah, yeah. What, what was it that made you recognize that that other piece, the purpose piece, was more important? Did you kind of always have that recognition or was there like a profound like, moment in, in time that you can recall?
1: No, I, I mean, before that, I was very strongly conditioned into a belief that I just needed to get a really good job and earn a lot of money. And then I would be able to buy the materials that I needed to feel fulfilled. That was my programming at the time, but then when I started to read websites about personal growth and development, and I read about purpose and what that will make you feel like if you have found that, whoa, that really opened a whole new level of opportunities and possibilities of a state of being that, yeah, I could feel it in my gut, like this is something for me to discover in this life. I have no idea how to do it, no idea what it is, but let's just start and see where we end up.
0: Yeah. So where did you start to go after you started what 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 did it propel you into after that that made you feel like you taking the next step of commitment into your purpose?
1: Well, I think the main cornerstone at that time was the mastermind group that I founded with one other guy. We were we were 10 guys who were all hungry on uh, personal growth and development spe- specifically around social dynamics. So specifically around becoming more confident with new people. And yeah, there was a common factor around dating also, but it was bigger than that, you know. It was more about growing as a person. Um, And uh, through all of that, I uh, arrived on a personal development website called High Existence. And uh, there was an article about purpose and it uh, talked about iboga and about ayahuasca as particular plants that could bring you to an experience of discovering more about your purpose. And as soon as I read that, I felt like, whoa, okay. Yeah, there was, again, there was this response, a bodily response or intuitive, whatever. I just had to go and experience that. And that was really the game changer when I was uh, 31, 2014. On 14th of May, 2014, I had my first ayahuasca ceremony and that really changed everything.
0: (laughs) Wow, that's beautiful. So you had, you, you described it as you had this like physical pull towards this, like you're reading this article and you like, had this physical sensation of, I have to do this. Like, what is that? Like, I have to do this or I will always be lost or always be in regret or, or is it more like moving into the abundance? Like, this is a greater reality that I want to move into. I think at the time I was, I was still stuck in that more like fear-based
1: thinking that if I don't discover this, my life will be worthless. So it was more from a place of pain and fear. Nowadays, that's completely the opposite. I just respond to what I experience, what's presented. I feel the synchronicities and the signs, and I follow my gut feeling. We all have our gut feeling, right? Yeah, there's nothing woo-woo about a gut feeling. We know what intuition and instinct is. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So you found yourself going to the Amazon to experience the plants? Is that what you did next?
1: No, it was in Holland.
0: Holland. Was a
1: a friend of mine sent a text message on Friday night saying, "Oh yeah, I forgot to tell you." kind of curious about this kind of work and uh, I've been with the shaman he's coming on Sunday which is two days from now and uh, yeah again everything my body started to vibrate like there was this physical reaction that was so strong it was like I I didn't even have to think about it okay I have to change all my plans I freed up my Monday and I was in the middle of my graduation project with airline pilots and simulators I was in the simulator all weekend long Saturday, Sunday, full day. And then all of a sudden, uh, Sunday night, I was sitting in front of this guy and we were going to drink this cup of tea that I had no idea what it was going to do with me. But You had no preparation? No preparation. You didn't,
0: you didn't do like the clean diet, the fasting, none of this stuff. You just right into it. Nothing. No, no. Courageous. That's awesome.
1: <laughs> it was good for me because at the time I had a very high uh, expectation level of new events. So I used to research a lot and talk to people and then I formed this image and then I went into the experience and it had to be like this and that. And then I usually got disappointed. But now I had no way to prepare myself on the expectation level, which was very easy for me to surrender into the process.
0: Right. Perfect. Once you were surrendered and like under, you know, you were, you were in that space and you had the medicine running through you, what what kind of visions did you find yourself having? and Are they still kind of aligned to... What you're doing now?
1: Yeah, it's very, yeah, very aligned. Um, I, I'd say it didn't go that easy that I just arrived into the medicine space because after the third cup, everybody was in boxes and rolling around and making sounds. And I was just sitting up straight and nothing was happening for me.
0: You did a three cup ceremony right away? Oh, three, no, that was three cups.
1: And then I looked at it and then I just raised my hands like, whoa, man, it's still nothing is happening. So now what? And then he served me another cup, but like I'd say a double dose, like a full glass. Whoa. And he served it to me. And I thought, well, you know, whatever, bottoms up, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> and then 10 minutes later, I went to the toilet and I looked in the mirror and everything started to move in my hands. And I was like, uh-oh, uh-oh, I just drank another big glass and everything's starting to work. So well, boy! I definitely had a bit of a a whooping from the
0: plant. I would say it was quite brutal. You had your come up like from the medicine while you were looking in the mirror at yourself. Yes. Whoa, that's so unique. Because normally, like I, if people are listening, it's like a pretty like dark space, or like it's a you're not like it's not really about vanity. You're not like looking in the mirror and wondering how you're dressing. And yeah. It's an inner journey. That's really interesting that you had this external epiphany about yeah. it.
1: Yeah, and summarize what that night brought me. Um, the first part of the night, I, uh, I say I, I'd say I became loose, separate from my physical identification. Yeah. And my mental and emotional identification of who I am. I'm loose and I experienced my soul or light body or aura or energetic body, whatever you want to call it, but I experienced the non-physical part of myself fully. And then I realized, okay, I never believed in the soul, but it exists, period. Okay, so that was clear. And then a little bit later, I was lying on the floor and uh, uh, with, my, with my stomach on the floor, and all of a sudden, I could feel the heartbeat of the earth. I could feel Mother Earth's unconditional love for the human species. Whoa. That was very special.
0: Yeah, you felt the heartbeat of the earth right after you realized you had a soul. This is quite a transformation. Yeah.
1: yeah. And then uh, I'd say the the final part of the ceremony, I was standing and there was music and I was dancing and moving around and it was really beautiful. And then all of a sudden I started to breathe really deeply and it just, and there was just energy starting to come into my system more, more, more. And it really felt like, it felt like I was going to explode. And I started to roar like a lion and it was just this brutal primal energy coming through me. And uh, I don't know, it's, I don't know how to put it into words. It's such an overwhelming feeling, but it's something I had never, ever experienced before. And uh, the shaman had to come to ground me and to, I don't know, bring me back. And soon after that, there was just this infinite sensation of peace and surrender and that I am here for a reason. I don't know what the reason is. I don't know what I'm to do here, but I know that there is something related to these series of events of tonight that will become my life's work. That's what I felt very clearly.
0: Dang, that's amazing! You you came into the man that you were hoping you'd become by picking up women better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's kind of hilarious, though. No? Yeah, yeah. I mean, similar for me is like I, I thought of my experiences like before and during and after. It's like these breadcrumbs. It's like okay, originally I'm here to pick up women, and now I'm like looking in sites like High Existence. Now I'm reading this article, and now I'm saying yes to this big ceremony now i'm feeling mother's earth's heartbeat and now i'm like roaring like a lion what's next like it gives you this anticipation and excitement for like what's to come you know you're on this journey out out of the out of the dark whatever you call it the the place where you're unenlightened to this newer place
1: yeah it's still i i gotta give a good footnote here there was a month after that that i was on a on a pink cloud i would say that i felt so peaceful And so connected with everything that's alive. And I thought I was healed and cured because I was experiencing really deep depressions for 15 years already. Mm. I'd say one week of the month, I was in a very deep, dark place with substance abuse and isolating myself, not being able to communicate with anybody. And I kind of hoped that felt like, oh, wow, I'm liberated, you know, that that's gone. But uh -uh, no, that just came back. Huh. So the depressive, depressed periods came back. Um, I can say now we're now eight years later. No, six years. No, it's gone now. But it wasn't so easy to work on that more deeply.
0: How did it help you work on your depression? Like when you didn't have to be on the medicine each time, I assume, to be able to overcome depression. Like what was it that helped you to overcome the depression afterwards?
1: Uh, uh, really, really, really deep shadow work. Trauma release, healing. I've Hundreds of workshops, healing sessions, coaches, uh, meditation retreats, several plant work. Um, but basically, it's about I'd say deconditioning yourself mm. because yeah. depression is nothing more than an unnatural state of being. It's just you're your there's just this response from your physical system that something's out of whack. It's just a sign, you know. It's a symptom. It's not the the actual cause of it. Right. Now, there are some right. people, also a footnote, there are some people who have uh, neurological uh, complications or whatever. They can have a f- a neurological depression also, but I'd say the majority of people have it because of, of, I'd say, a lacking of their their connection with their soul, with their higher self, with their spirit, with their essence, with their being, with their body. Many of us are cut off at the head and, and have learned to suppress our emotional state. This is just how we've been raised in our societies that it's all about work and achievement and, and mental stuff, but we are so much more than only our mind, of course. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's really about reconnecting with your total being, with, with, with your emotional state, with your energetic space, with, with all of this. And that takes a lot of practice because nobody ever taught us this in our current societies.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So it's about connecting with our total energetic body. Yeah. Yeah. What are some other big things you learned from the indigenous people?
1: That nature knows best to begin with.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that we are, um, we have forgotten to be humble, that we are part of the greater whole. We are by no means superior to anything. I've also learned their uh, level of persistence and determination to survive and to keep their culture alive. They're really true warriors and to stand strong in the face of. Uh, the colonials, and uh, the rubber tappers, and uh, the evangelists, uh, the people who came to bring the word of God, and they had to stop all their culture and religion. If you hear their survival stories, how they've overcome all these challenges, wow, that's so inspiring. And then to see that right now, um, they are building alliances with the white people. They are opening their doors to share the deepest of their secrets and spirituality with others. Now, that's uh, the people have suppressed him for hundreds of years. Uh, that's, that's really inspiring.
0: Why are they doing that?
1: Because they, uh, they asked their main shaman, who unfortunately passed away, but he, he, uh, the, the oldest guy, uh, Tata, he turned 107. So he <laughs> got a long life. But, uh, well, there's actually Tata telling them, that look look at the Westerners. They leave, live in these high concrete buildings. They've mastered uh, masonry and steelwork, and they have guns and machines and whatever, and there are so many of them. We will never be able to win it if we go and fight them. So it's really about us to role model the way and to show them that we can build alliances together. And that's, that's the door to cooperation is to really surrender and trust that if we build alliances that we will get the help that we need to survive. Yeah. Really something, man.
0: Yeah. That's beautiful. So I know before the interview, you wanted to talk about your idea on the village of the future, um, before we jump like fully into that, like how, how does, how does understanding the indigenous peoples like, um, survival, instincts and strategy to like build alliances. How how does that inspire this, this bigger vision of the village of the future?
1: I think the main thing I've learned from them is their, uh, their ability to create harmony within their village. And that is on the one end, because they have a very strong common culture that we don't have. We don't have a shared one culture with, you know, specific painting or dancing or music, but that's one example that we can learn from them. But the other thing is that they, um, the tribe where I was anyway, they regularly practice with the whole village, a certain spiritual practice. And they use ayahuasca for that, but you don't have to use ayahuasca. Any kind of boundary dissolving activity where you temporarily, um, let's say, disable your ego structures and realize that you are equal to your brothers and sisters around you is a very powerful vehicle for, um, yeah, for harmonizing a group of people. And I think that's what we've really forgotten. we've forgotten ritual, we've forgotten our connection with nature, and we have forgotten to yeah dance around the fire together hand in hand and let go of our differences just temporarily.
0: Wow, yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think that that would resonate with i would I would say anyone in the western audience have you ever had like a bonfire experience or you been a part of like a, I don't know, for American football team, you're huddling up before and you're doing this, like, who, this kind of thing. Like, we've all tapped into it in some small way or another. And I, I think you're onto something there with recognizing that we we can dissolve these boundaries and separation of I'm Tanner and you're Dan and someone else so and so. we're actually all like part of this bigger village or this bigger community that's yeah. all sharing this space and loved by this earth that you know sustains us in so many ways it's beautiful
1: yeah Yeah. the other thing is that in in a certain perspective they live in abundance
0: yeah
1: and what i mean by that is that uh, there's ample food because the forest provides but there's also a ab- abundance in other human needs such as belonging such as um personal development and growth um such as um yeah it's mainly that connection with other human beings and so many of us in the west have uh, been cut off from access to simple things such as intimacy among people yeah plus we have been programmed that we uh that there's not enough and that there's competition and that it's survival of the fittest and that you need to get the best job and get a bigger pay than that one or that one and yeah, they don't they don't have any of those concerns because everybody is kind of equal in a way. They all have their own unique role within the village. But there's food for everybody and the village provides for everybody and the forest provides for everybody. So so they're not so conditioned with scarcity? Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's a big issue man. A lot of us are in fear that we don't have enough or something. Whether that may be material stuff or love, you know.
0: Wow, that's a big thought that we're having right here. It's like we are conditioned to have scarcity over abundance like you know take care of my needs first because i may not have enough here and the other way is like let's just have a big faith and big trust here that enough will come to me when i'm taking care of like the greater whole here we we're sharing and creating together what what's it going to take for um yeah for that three percent of society to kind of hop on board to that mindset like do we have to see it first or, or can we embody it and have gratitude towards abundance before we've actually like really felt it or realized it as an economy or a world?
1: I might be a bit naive and over-optimistic, but um, I think it's also a, a beautiful aspect um, that I believe the 3% has already been reached. Yeah. Well, what I've experienced the last weeks is that uh, thousands of people, hundreds of thousands of people maybe have woken up in the last eight years have found purpose and meaning and have been building and constructing models, methods, machinery, technologies, solutions to uh, realize harmony for all life on Earth. And it's, in the end, it's not that complicated. It's just a redistribution of our resources on a transparent way. Like if you would put all the resources on the blockchain and you can see where everything comes from. And there's not just a small group of people leeching out all the energy. Whether you call it in material stuff or in power or in in money, there is uh, there already is abundance on the planet. It's just not equally distributed, not evenly distributed. There's too too big of a small group owning too much of the whole piece of the pie. There's only there's only 150 companies together combined that control 80 percent of the world market. That's a very small group of companies that own the larger percentage of all revenue
0: yeah most of them come from my country probably
1: <laughs> wow probably so what's what's needed what's needed is just uh, trust and belief and and uniting together and, and co-creating a, a new earth for for all life and uh yeah, that's already happening so it's not something that we need to start or initiate it's it's already going on
0: yeah it seems like working with the the leaders of the entrepreneurs that are making companies that have this scalable impact would be a really high leverage place to be working within. Is that kind of how you got your start with with your tribepreneurs model?
1: Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, uh, <clears throat> we really believed that the, at the beginning that um, things can be different. And um, uh, the reason why we founded that company is because we believe that business can be an incredible vehicle for transformation. Hmm. If people really find their vocation, their so-called ikigai, what they're good at and what the world needs and what they enjoy doing, and they can also make a living out of it, well, if enough people do that.
0: Exactly, man. That's why I have this podcast. It's like, let's look inside and see what gifts we have. Let's see what the world needs, and let's see how you can greater commit to that to make the world a more abundant, fulfilling, happy, loving place. Beautiful. So... We can either talk more about the tripreneurs thing, and I have a ton of questions about like how you're doing your masterminds, because I'm starting to do that, or we could can, we could go deeper into talking about the village. I'll let you decide which one you want to talk about.
1: Well, the village has really got my attention the last weeks, although I'm also working full-time on tripreneurs at the same time. But um, I can just briefly introduce what we do with tripreneurs and the masterminds, and then we can switch over to the village process, because it's all connected. Okay, So the way we run our mastermind groups is with uh, five to six people. It's a small group. We come together once every two or three weeks for about two and a half hours. And each person gets a so-called hot seat. And the hot seat is really the core of the mastermind group. Um, What we do in that, people prepare a so-called ultimate question or a big challenge that they're facing, and they start their hot seat with that. So they get about 20 minutes of undivided attention of the group in that moment. And uh, as they've presented their question after that, they give a little bit of context, and pretty soon we go, yeah, we open the field, and we, as a facilitator, hold space and make sure everybody's heard and seen, but we the the peer group do the work
0: mm-hmm.
1: and kind of what happens is people really we, we we take a moment before we start our meetings to take a few breaths and we check in how are you feeling?" We really lower our consciousness into our body before we begin it's not like we're only with the mind we are listening and answering questions but it's full body participation and because people are so present in the group if someone is sharing a goal or a challenge or something they're dealing with and it's not really coming from their heart or from their gut but more from their programming then other people will feel that and they will just reply back like hey i don't feel you whatever you're saying now sounds like a great idea but i don't feel you what's up And then four other people raise their hand like, oh, yeah, I recognize that I don't feel you either. We do that non-verbally. And then people take a moment and then reflect and something shifts and changes and they come to new understandings and insights. So our mastermind sessions are focused on business development. People bring in their challenges of business development. But often there is a personal element, something deep, an essence underneath it, which, which makes them blocked. Towards the next step, it's not so much a lack of information, but it's more often a, a lack of courage, or, or or a lack of capacity, or belief, or yeah. And sometimes they need a connection, but often these transformations lead to the next steps in their developing their business.
0: Wow, I love that. Again, you're you're embodying the go into your body, feel your full energetic field, and trust that people will feel that about each other. Which yep. again is a more like tribe, tribalistic, or yeah. Um, community way of, yeah, of feeling together to make the best decisions, not from the mind, but from like where you're being pulled from the heart.
1: Yeah, I've, I've, I've been in many mastermind groups. I've found that many mastermind groups participated in many over the last decade. And uh, many of these groups, after the session was over, I felt tired and drained and kind of like too much. I needed to go to sleep. But since we are adopting this model like this, what I just described, everybody is just bursting with energy at the end. So what happens with if you do this purely from the mind and you're only brainstorming and, and what your mind, you are connecting with each other, then it just costs you a lot of energy. Yeah. But when you do this full body, then you just get revitalized because everybody, it's like a powerhouse together and you tap into the source and together you download this into the field and then... And everybody feels so alive afterwards. That's a well run mastermind. A well-run mastermind. Everybody learned the deep insight, transformed something, and leaves with a bunch of energy. That's when it then that's when it was a really good success.
0: Wow, thank you for this. this energy. Yeah, I love that. And you you like to keep it at about five to six people?
1: Yeah. Yeah, not too big. For this kind of work that we do. Yeah.
0: It makes sense. And does that group are they exclusively meeting together or are you mixing and matching the members throughout the time
1: no we keep one group for a period of three or six months so you at the beginning you can set your big goal your three-month goal your six-month goal this is what i'm aiming at these are the strategic pillars you create a plan and then you go go at that yeah so you set goals every two weeks but you want to do this with the same group because it takes one or two sometimes three meetings to really understand people's people's business fully, but also understand, let's say, their programming, their conditioning, their their weaknesses, their strengths. And the deeper you journey together, the faster these sessions right get to the essence and it really unravels. And it's a really deep sense of trust together. It's not so easy to open up completely and drop all your masks because the way we run this mastermind, it's more intimate and more intense than you would do with your own friends and family. Wow. We really ask you to be naked to really be honest about what's going on right now and that's where the gold is
0: yeah definitely like you, it's doing the shadow work within the group yeah is, it's huge yeah. and it's and then it's, how it's, do
1: that, you... huh? it's shadow work but there's also sessions when people just bring in a question like hey how do i do my pricing i'm kind of lost i'm gonna charge 30 50 an hour and we do some brainstorming and sometimes it's not always this deep and personal right you know, And sometimes people need tips about marketing. Am I going to do multi-channel marketing or one-channel marketing? Am I going to start with video or podcasting? And then we just ask each other, like, how do you do it? What are my personal experiences? How do I discover this? We also share our own experiences and then inspire each other in that way.
0: Yeah. Right. And you're the facilitator of the group? Yeah. Nice. What, what are your roles as a facilitator? You said you hold space and make sure everyone's kind of talking. Like, yeah, tell me more about what, what a good facilitator looks like
1: um well it's it's around um creating a structure that gives enough liberty for the people to uh, do their thing but it's really important to keep time yeah (laughs) to make sure that everything starts at the right time finishes that you know that it's not going to run out half an hour or something yeah um it's really important to uh to open properly to check in with everybody make sure everybody feels good before we begin everybody's landed let go of the day and we can all be fully present so that's also a role of the facilitator to bring everybody into the here and now and uh yeah it's to to manage over participators and under participators to make sure that everybody equally participates hmm But it's really about allowing the mastermind model to do its thing. It's not about being a business coach or telling somebody what they should do, give them advice or anything. No, actually, as a facilitator, you don't have to have any of the answers. You let the peers, it's peer coaching, you let the peers help each other. So it's also really important to manage your ego. And even though you might have the answer as a facilitator, do not say the answer to what someone's looking for, but ask who knows this, who has an idea.
0: Right. Are you asking most of the questions or do you let the questions arise from the group? No, oh, everybody. I let everybody do that. Yeah, Wonderful.
1: And I also, as yeah. soon as I've opened the hot seat and they have explained their context, I ask some clarifying questions to make sure that everybody really knows what the person in the hot seat wants or needs. That's very important for the facilitator to get to the essence to the core in the first three to five minutes, so to speak. But then after that, when that's all clear, I ask, okay, is everybody It's clear what this person wants, what they're asking? Okay, everybody raises their hand. Okay, now I give, you know, the turn to the person in the hot seat. I step back and I become a participant and I might ask a question here or there or manage the participatory level of the people. But overall, I let the person in the hot seat dictate who answers, who asks. Do I want silence? Do I need to contemplate? Do I need to write? Whatever. It's all up to them. So I think that's also really beautiful about this mastermind model that you sit in a chair with a group of people in front of you and nobody will interrupt you yeah nobody will share their own story unwanted it's all up to you. Maybe you want some silence. Maybe you want to ask a question. Maybe you want to hear more from that one person and you're the director in the seat to be completely selfish and that's very powerful when people dare to be really selfish in that position and really come and take what they need to make the next step for their business then uh yeah,
0: yeah. it seems like it would be incredibly important to make sure you filled this group with people that are willing to go this deep and willing to commit this much to each other how do you formulate the groups how do you make sure that they're a good match for each other how do you weed out people that are there just for um, the mental stuff and and don't want to go to the the naked stuff
1: and we live and learn but i think through our expressions and our branding and our videos we're already attracting the kind of people and the people who won't resonate with that are not really attracted so much uh, we have an intake procedure, so we get people to uh, answer a few questions on a form, and then, then we do an intake call, and yeah, intuitively, you can feel with someone if they're a potential member or not. If they are a potential member, then the matching procedure follows after, together with my partner, Rainier, we make a list, we look at who's there, who would fit together, and then we formulate these groups. And Yeah, it's living and learning. Yeah,
0: That's wonderful. Cool. Um And then how are you holding people accountable in these groups? Like you want to create this like really loving, unconditional sort of space, but you also want to make sure that people are moving towards their goals. Oh yeah. Is it just kind of another one of those self-evident things? Or are you actually like putting some pressure on people to be meeting goals? Well,
1: a couple of things here. Uh, It's not only a loving and unconditional space. It can be quite brutal and can be quite raw and honest. So people do confront each other. This is an agreement that we make at the beginning of the journey. That we speak our truth, so whatever we feel arise, we share that with the others in a non-judgmental way. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing that we invite that kind of interaction together, and it's re- really effective. Um, but the other thing that we also do is we let people define what does success mean for you mm-hmm. at the very beginning of the journey, and they share that with each other in the group. And some people find success as achieving goals at a continuous basis. And other people find success as a state of surrender and flow. And they might be overachieving and working really hard and the group will slow them down. But someone else might have a tendency to postpone and be all over the place and not have a focus. And then the group will help them to stick to their goals and their focus. But it's really determined by the person who joins the group, you know. Every person has their own unique preferences and needs. And we fulfill that as a group. There's no pushing.
0: So you're not making sure that they're running the same kind of business or... Or in the same industry or after the same like, shared goals or anything like that?
1: No, because uh, we found that uh, um, it's actually very valuable to have a cross-pollination between industries because uh, people who would be in the same industry would not get these inspiring ideas from people from completely different industries. And right. This is the feedback that we've got. What is really important in the matching is the experience level. That needs to match. And somewhat the personality aspects, but it's less relevant. It's more important that someone who's been in business for more than 10 years, you don't put them together with a starter because they just have different challenges. But we find that people who are in business similar, equal amounts of time, they do encounter very similar challenges. It's very beautiful that often at the feedback, at the reflection at the end of the meeting, they say like, wow, I learned so much from this person, that person, that person, that person, maybe even more from them than from my own hot seat because it was so applicable to my business or my personal process.
0: Yeah, I love that. So you as a facilitator, when you first started, were you only looking for starters? Or were you willing to go for the people that had 5, 10 years of business experience?
1: No, I was too insecure about that man in the beginning. So the very first two groups were very beginning groups. Our, uh, I'd say, beta groups. But uh, yeah, the recent, the most recent group that I guided was people who've been in business for five plus plus years with uh, big revenues, and I feel super confident now to bring, let's say, more experienced people together. And yeah, yeah.
0: So in some cases, like the participants are having more revenue than you are, like with yeah. your own business. Yeah. Wow.
1: Yeah, I feel, I feel quite confident to bring C-suite level together who are running multi-million companies right now, facilitate them in a highly effective, high-performance team mastermind group that will f- make them flourish, not only in their business, but in their personal life. I feel very capable right. because right. the model does the work. I don't need to have the answers, but I need to be really a game facilitator to make it very efficient, effective, and make sure that everybody gets their needs fulfilled. I can do that. I've practiced with that for 10 years.
0: Are you doing anything to filter like on how purposeful their business model is versus like solely being profit driven? Like what's your overall, overall,
1: overall? Yeah, we do our, best. that's, I think that's our common factor that people do believe or feel that they're uh, contributing to some greater good, whether they do that with their business or in their personal, but this is a common factor between the people that we attract. Yeah. We, we don't guide anybody who's only running for profit and just for achievement. Right. No. It's also definitely about fulfillment in life, important element.
0: Cool. That's beautiful, man. And you do it mostly in person?
1: Uh, it's all virtual.
0: Virtual. Oh, wow. And you do the meetings for like a longer period of time rather than once a week for an hour. Like I've heard plenty about you're, you're actually going for once every three weeks for yeah. two and a half hours. Is two and, that right? and a half hours. Yeah. Yeah. And then we, we like to come back to your how do you hold people
1: accountable? How people do set goals? At the end of their hot seat, so what was my insight? And what do I commit to for the next three weeks? And we make that visible for each other. They have buddy calls with each other within the group to check in. Hey, how are you doing this week? Did you do that, that, and that? And, yeah, goal tracking and accountability just multiplies your success. It doubles it. So it's very important.
0: That's awesome. And you said you're having a course come out for a facilitator soon?
1: Also, yeah. Yeah. We're first launching our... Um, Our next six-month program, our 27-week program, the the registration closes at the end of May. Uh, We've also uh, recorded uh, a video conference facilitator training, which really talks about a lot of these aspects that I just explained, what makes a good facilitator. This is going to be a basic course that we make available. And uh, soon we will also launch a, a, let's say, a really detailed advanced Zoom meeting facilitator training about how to make the most of zoom with relationship to masterminds but also bigger broadcasts
0: wow wow i'm I'm interested in potentially participating in a facilitator group like that yeah that sounds cool
1: of course
0: yeah we're starting a me and a partner uh, phil loudon who um he does purposeful stuff mostly in bali um we're gonna be wanting to co-facilitate mastermind groups as um, around um, pioneers of purpose is what we're calling the group we're potentially thinking of calling the group so it's like people that are pioneering a new path that's like you know a disruptive kind of business model that's bringing together some of these tenets of being purpose-driven and wanting to create like more harmony and co-creation and abundance versus competition and scarcity um, and we're still ironing out the final details of what, what what other kind of qualities we want to have in the group but I'm super, super excited. We've been doing some free like trial ones um yeah. and having like eight, ten, twelve people in groups like the last three different weeks and it's been really fun. Cool. So yeah. I'm building some traction. That it seems yeah. really fulfilling to be part of this experience. Yeah.
1: Keep practicing. It's your best teacher. Direct experience is the best teacher for anyone.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing about the the mastermind. How can people get involved in it if if this seemed to resonate with them?
1: All of the information is on the website, www.tribe-preneurs. Okay. So that's the word tribe and entrepreneur together, com.
0: Cool.
1: And uh, yeah, we offer open mastermind sessions this month. We're still running a few free sessions on Wednesday mornings. I don't know, for USA time, it's not very uh, <laughs> useful. Um, and um, if people are curious, they can download the program information and book a discovery, call and get in touch with us. So that's always welcome.
0: Love it love it I'll put that in the show notes for people as well very cool man thank you for listening to part one of this interview with Don Horter on being powerful creators and believing that anything is possible be sure to listen to next week's episode as we wrap up our conversation with Don talking about what the village of the future project is about how he sees personal development as the main pillar of harmony and his visions as a game changer for what the earth can look like when he maximizes his genius and gift.